Jesus here is teaching and healing, and he now retreats to the sea. It's the end of a long day. And of course, the crowds follow him there. I think about LeBron James, what he said last week, that he just wishes he could go to Starbucks and Target and walk around. But he can't because of the crowds. Jesus felt this continually in his ministry. Everywhere he went, the crowds followed. When he tried to get away, the crowds followed. So he gets on a boat with his disciples and starts teaching and launching. He starts teaching by launching into the story. There's no setup here, just a story about a farmer who scatters seeds, some on the road, some on rocky ground, some on thorns, and some on good soil. He isn't obviously just talking about agriculture. Something else is going on. We're, we're told in the text that in the story, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Matthew's way of saying the kingdom of God. To you, disciples, it has been revealed. But to those outside, it's only been given in stories. Like, have you ever showed up late to a story without context? Like a late to a movie, late to a TV show, like you pick up the show after it's three or four episodes in, late to a book. Have you been in conversation with someone only to be captured by another conversation happening over here, and then you don't get the whole story? It's like a, a game of telephone. Some understand, some, you understand parts, but you don't understand all. The message is the same, but somehow it gets lost. This parable is pressing into this question. How can we understand the story? How can we understand what Jesus is talking about when he says the kingdom of God? And, and maybe more importantly, how do we respond? Now let's start here. This is the parable of what? The sower, not the soils. Now don't miss this. The subject is the sower and the predicate is the seed. The sower sows Seeds, verses 3 and 4, the sower sows, the, the sower goes out, and as he goes, the seed falls. That's the picture. The picture is someone with a large bag full of seed, and as he goes, everywhere he goes, everywhere he walks, he is tossing seed around, everywhere. The sower goes out, and the sower sowed seeds. On a farm, on a farm, there isn't really anyone with the title sower. There's a farmer and there are laborers. What Jesus wants us to know is that God does many things in the world, but the main thing he does, he sows his word into the world. He sows it here and there and everywhere. The seed falls on the path. The seed falls on the rocks, on the rocky path. The seed falls on thorns and thistles and brambles and bushes. The seed falls on good ground good soil. The sower sows. Do we take that seriously, church? Do we take it seriously that the kingdom of God is at work everywhere and always? This is the problem with the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They, they couldn't see it. 
They couldn't see it at the end of chapter 12 when Jesus heals the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. They, they can't see it when Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners and outsiders. See, God is a God with a bag full of seeds. Liberally, prodigiously, prodigally, he's throwing his seed everywhere. He, he's not sitting in a chair reading the fa- farmer's almanac. He isn't tilling or fertilizing the soil. He isn't standing, waiting, watching to see the seed bud. He is out sowing seed. And what is the seed? Well, the seed is the word. It's the word of God. And who or what is the word? Well, well, quite simply, the word is Jesus. Jesus is the word, capital W. He is the word made flesh. He is the word who was with God in the beginning. And if we make that other sudden move here, well, it is, the, it is what the Word of God is about. It's about the Son, who is the Word. And the sower is God the Father, and Jesus is the Word, the seed that is sown in the world. And then there's the crowds and the disciples, the immediate receivers of the sowing God and the sowing seed of Jesus. We see this in verses 10 to 17 when the disciples ask, why do you talk to us in parables? Why don't you give it, just give it to us? Give it to everybody, undiluted. Why are you so unclear? And he says, to you, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven has been given. But to others, it has remained hidden in these stories. Now, what's funny about this, right, is that the disciples are the ones asking all the questions. But Jesus is saying, you have me. I am this word sown. I am the word of the kingdom of God. The the sower sows Jesus into the world. In our next parable, which we talked about during Advent, the field is the world, and the word of God is Jesus sown there. Notice there's no other further steps taken. Capon says the seed is fully in action and in and of itself at every step of the story. Everything is, that's necessary for its working, producing, is in the works from the start. There's nothing left to do. The sower sows the seed, and the seed produces fruit. And so the parable, the entirety of the parable, is an orientation lesson to Jesus, the seed, the kingdom of God. The fruit and the fullness of the kingdom of heaven is found where? In him. He is the mystery of the kingdom. He is what's being sown in the world. He will also be the one who is missed and overlooked. I really want you to hear that the parable at its root is about a generous God who sows the seed of Jesus into a world broken and marred by sin. He he sows Jesus into the world because that world, through him, might be saved. He sows Jesus into the world because this is the most important thing about his kingdom, that all his constituents and citizens might know him as the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, and the King, the rightful King, in a world that seems to be following another king. And this leads us to the soils. Now, let's first start by saying that all the soils here are in present tense. 
they're all presently listening to the word. And it's vital. It's vital because listening is required for us to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Listening is required to produce regular fruit. And the soils represent all sorts of conditions of human beings. Jesus is including everyone here, roping them in through all the parables that he will tell. And I hope we'll see this through Lent. The universal nature of the sower and the seed that he's sowing. Everyone receives the word, the sinner, the publican, the prodigal, uh, the elder brother, the Samaritan, the, the others, the Levites and the other priests and the neighbor. They all receive the sown word. The characters and the soils are meant to represent all of us. And the seed sown is meant to reach all of us. Now it doesn't, but this is God's relationship with the world. And it's the locale of salvation and redemption. And notice that no soil is immune to the seed. The seed is sown and the seed produces. Isaiah 55, my seed yields. Seed for the sower, bread for the eater. My word does not return empty, but accomplishes what I desire and the purpose for which I sent it, says the Lord. The seed retains its property as seed and the seed works for the purpose that the Lord has sent it. So you have the soil on the path. The soil on the path receives feet, not seed. Notice here there's nothing wrong with the seed. The path receives traffic. The orientation of the soil is wrong. The seed is not understood, not received. Why? Well, according to verse 19, it's snatched away. We're told in the parable it's snatched away by birds, but we're told in the explanation of the parable it's snatched away by the work of the evil one. And the question may be, why does the evil one seem to wield so much power? Now, we're not told here, only that the evil one is in the business of snatching the word of Jesus from the world. The evil one snatches the seed on the path. He takes it away from being sown in the heart. Now, this first soil listens. It continues to listen but it will not stand under the word it hears. It's, it's snatched away. Capon makes this note, the power of seeds t- to reproduce themselves is no way seriously inhibited by the birds. In fact, animal ingestion and excretion of seeds is one of nature's ways of ensuring that seeds are distributed. Now hear this. The power of God is not lessened, even though the devil may try to digest it for his own purposes and poses it into and turns it into something else. The word, like the seed, still works on its own terms. Second soil, the rocky soil. It hears and accepts the seed. It, it's, we're told it receives it with joy, but the seed falls where there is not, notice the knots, there's not much earth, where the soil is not deep, and thus there could not be any roots. If you do any hiking, you, you might find parts of a trail or other parts right off the trail, damp, lively with dew from some little creek or, or the dew of the morning, 
And then you come back later in the afternoon and that same spot is now dry and withered when the heat of the day comes. Stones spoil the roots. Jesus will say this good seed falls and produces a fruit that fades. In the rocky soil, maybe priority is given to a big world over the little word of the kingdom of God. Those who receive this word, they live in the present. They're they're carried away by their tribulations, we're told, their persecutions. Toil and trouble come, and the soil falls away. Now, I think there's something to take heart here, because if you know the story of Peter, it sure seems like the rocky one has a rocky soil. And yet, restored, right? And the testimony of Peter becomes the rock upon which the church is built. The third soil is the thorns. The seed falls on the thorns and is choked. This is a a, a type of listening that's distracted by other interest and concerns. It's the anxiety of the age, the the humbug of wealth, according to Bruner. They, They choke the word in the hearer, and there is no fruit. They have roots, but prosperity and anxiety come in. Anxiety, this is that the special nervousness bent on mastering life. It, it hangs around, it comes to church, but it's passionately bent towards other things. In chapter 12, Jesus warned against fence-sitters. Fence he who is not for me, Jesus says, is against me. Prosperity makes the kingdom difficult to understand. Prosperity makes us mistake the kingdom for something other than it is. Now hear this, prosperous ones. The thorns spoil the fruit. The seed germinates, but it's overcome. Notice there's no joyous reception to this seed, but the word is given equal time to other things. This is another centered Christianity. The good seed of Jesus is choked away by interest, passions, justice, politics, money, sex, power, good things like love and family and houses and sports and the anxiety of the lack in all those ways. Words like great and urgent and serious and powerful and success and fear and failure and you, those words choke out the little word about Jesus. The word must be the word that's banked on, hoped on, built on, received alone. The words, you are not your own, but belong body and soul to God. The word that is to be the first in the kingdom, you must be last. Losers first. It's too much for this soil to take. And still, in both of these soils, here the power of the seed is not dependent on cooperation. 
The seed, who is the word, is present, doing its work, in all of its forgiving power, wherever it falls. The last one is the good soil. The, the prerequisite of what makes this soil good is left out. Nothing about fertilizer or weeding or even irrigation. What is essential is the good seed enters the soil and the soil receives the good seed. The person listening to the word and understanding it, we're told. And this seed bears fruit in this soil, and this fruit is continual. It's regular. It's 30, 60, 100 fold, different amounts, but always fruit. Three yields compared to the three lost fruits. And the yield is so great that the losses are forgotten. Notice, the good soil doesn't do anything. If anything, it just doesn't get in the Word's way. The Word does the work. This is why the Word has come into the world, to create life and a people who will bear fruit. And this work, we're told in the parable, is hidden. Like mystery as at the heart of the parable. The kingdom of God that Jesus brings is hidden. How is it hidden? Well, just like when you sow a seed, you dig a hole. Or you cover it with manure so it might grow. It's hidden and the seed is disproportionately small compared to what it produces. There's no thunderbolts and lightning. The, the coming of the word doesn't look like this. It looks like disappearing. It's universal, but it's hidden. Small, buried. Capon says he as the word, comes to his own, and his own did not receive him. He is despised. He's the stone that the builders rejected. He's ministered to, not in his own recognizable form, but in the sick, the imprisoned, the, the generally down and out. And to cap his whole career as word sown in the field of the world, he dies, rises, ascends, vanishes. His entire work proceeds, as does the work of the seed. It takes place in a mystery, in a secret way that Luther said can either be known or felt, but only believed and trusted. And the world does not understand this. And oftentimes the church, they, they don't hear, they aren't listening because they're hardened to such a Jesus and such a kingdom. In fact, it arrives in a world hostile to its coming, and that hostility causes it to be overlooked. It's unnoticed in such a world, and yet it's the only thing that produces life. In fact, it is undone by a God who uses the power of the world to accomplish its purposes. The The world, the flesh, and the devil and his minions think they are overcoming the seed. But the sower is simply using their weight against them. Judo style, right? I'm not a judo guy, but I hear when you throw someone, you're using their weight to throw them. And that's what Jesus does. He is the God of the word who makes and reconciles us. And there is no way to ever find ourselves anywhere else than in the thick of salvation and redemption. 
if we are in him. Not even bad listening can frustrate God. The sower sows the seed. He's sovereign in the giving of the gift. And if it's taken, rejected, choked out, and not received, the fault line does not lie in the seed or the sower, but in those who do not receive it. And here lies the mystery of divine sovereignty and human responsibility and the grace of God that triumphs. And according to verses 13 and 15, unless the seed is miraculously raised up by the Spirit of God, it cannot be heard or received. And the disciples then are blessed because they see and hear. They have Jesus in their midst. The mystery is now revealed. It was once hidden, but it's now seen. And that should give us hope, friends, because, I mean, we know that the disciples missed so much. They still thought to the very end that the kingdom was going to look entirely different than it did. They argue about privilege and position and power. They still think violence is the way to achieve it. They abandon him in his darkest moments. They hide, locked away in the upper room after the resurrection. But they are more blessed than Abraham, Moses, or Elijah They witness Jesus, the seed. They walk around in his kingdom. They see him heal. They hear him teach. They witness his death and his resurrection. And they're launched into the world with the coming of his spirit who enlivens them to such an activity. They have Jesus, the mystery revealed. And so do you and I. Not in the same way. But remember, in a more blessed way, blessed are those, Jesus says in John 20, 29, who who don't see and yet understand and believe. Blessed are those who receive me even though they don't see me. So, the application this morning, receive. Receive the word. The focus is still on the sower, not the soils. The seed falls, has various encounters with the soil. They all listen. Three receive, but only one receives with understanding and faith. Fruitfulness is not a matter, according to Bruner, of many spiritual steps or difficult disciplines or particular techniques. It's simply a matter of receiving. To use uh, Matthew's word, Understanding. Understanding. To use Luke's word, gripping. The one sole object, the word of God, that is Jesus. All the rest of the work is the work of a sovereign God, and even the receiving or understanding or the gripping is a gift of God. Listen. Look. We're told at the beginning, behold. We're told at the end, listen. Look, listen, receive, understand. Receive the word. Receive this Jesus. Receive the gospel. Receive this word about Jesus. The seed is hidden, small, buried. The disciples received the mystery of Christ in the person of Jesus. They were given the key to the kingdom. It's a great gift. It's given to disciples It isn't given to the disciples because they earned it. It was revealed to them. It was gift. They responded by receiving it. And this reception, this is what uh, my professor Sinclair Ferguson would say in his 
Scottish throaty way. Sfructifying. I love that word. Fructifying. This, the who received the word according to John, writing after Matthew, adding texture, are given the privilege of becoming what? The children of God. All who believe on his name. Verse 13 of chapter 1, those who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We see this later in John 15 where Jesus saying to the disciples, they are branches and Jesus is the vine. Those who abide in the vine bear fruit. The gardener comes along, prunes the vine so the branch will bear fruit. Jesus is the gardener. Paul furthers this when he says the fruit of the Spirit is love and all the offshoots of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says those who walk by, live by, follow the Spirit have the fruit of the Spirit and those who walk by, live by the flesh have the fruit of the flesh. The fructifying work is done by God. Jesus, the Word, and His Spirit. They produce fruit in receiving hearts and lives of His disciples. It is not our doing, but the Lord's. Proverbs 20, 12, the hearing ear, the seeing eye. The Lord has made them both. The understanding of the mystery of the kingdom applied by looking, listening, and receiving. And the best preparation for this grace is the sower sowing his seed. It's the sower's prior work of sowing the seed that falls on our receiving hearts as gifts. Blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but only your Father in heaven. These disciples received Jesus, and by receiving Jesus, they received him all the more. Whoever is listening, receiving the gift of Jesus, will receive more of Jesus. And so pray. Pray that the evil one will not snatch it away. Pray that you will listen and stand under the word, not over it. Pray that you might be given deep roots, staying power in the word about Jesus, that your joy will not just appear and then disappear in the heat of the day, but that it might continue to be truly joyous, not dependent on circumstance, but on the God who is present to you in plenty and in want. Pray that you won't be led away from the word of the kingdom by other kings and other kingdoms and the uncertainty and the anxiety choke full of such kings and kingdoms. Pray that you might receive and understand the word because this is what makes you fruitful. The source of your doing in the world is that of receiving. The fruit doesn't make us the good soil. It's the sower. The sower sows the seed, and the seed produces the fruit. Hearing and receiving always comes first, and hearing and receiving always continue, and hearing and receiving produce fruit, fruit of different kinds and different amounts. This is the work of God. Believe in him who sent me, And if we believe, we're told, we will do good works. Now, I think about a couple things as I close. I think about Isaiah 55, right? Come, come, 
All of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. All of you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Listen and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear, come to me and listen that you might live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David and his offspring, his seed, Jesus. See, I have made him a witness to the people, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you do not know, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteousness their thoughts Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Think about that little seed, small and hidden. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And we might think that that's like high, esoteric things. No, 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 it's the simple It's farming and seed sowing and buried in the ground. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood and flourish, so so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so will my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And hear this. You... You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. I think about Aslan creating Narnia, singing his song. And everywhere he goes, what comes with him? Life. That's the kingdom of God. That's the fruit that's produced in you and me because of God's death, life, death, and resurrection. You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. I don't like junipers, but let's think of another tree. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the sower's renown. An everlasting sign Hear this, that will endure forever. The word of the Lord, it does not fade. It does not stop. It produces. So yield all of yourself and receive from the sower the seed of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are so... um, I mean, I'm overcome by your, the generous seed that you've sown, that you're sowing, that you don't stop sowing. No matter how far we uh, run the other way and plug our ears, no matter how many other kings and kingdoms we, we find ourselves worshiping, you, you continue to sow your seeds. the seed of Jesus, the the hope 
the light of the world, the hope of the nations, our hope. For all of us who are here hurting and broken, it is you that is our only hope, and you keep sowing that seed of love into our life. No matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in, you keep sowing the answer in the midst of all of our losses is Jesus. The, the, hope for, the hope for all of the locust things that have been eaten away, you will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And so help us this morning to just bank on those seeds of love sown in our hearts, in our church, in the world. May you keep, keep sowing it. And may we receive it with understanding, with faith. We would bank on it and hope on it, build our lives on it. And may you produce a fruit in us, 30, 60, 100-fold. We ask this in the name of Christ Jesus, the good king, the good seed, and God the Father, the sower and the spirit that fructifies it all. Amen.